0: Hi everybody, this is episode 21 of the Clown Shop Podcast. Now, I don't think this is going to top, you know, the masterpiece that I recorded yesterday. I highly doubt that, that it's going to do that. Yesterday was the best, definitely the best solo episode by far I have ever recorded. But... We gotta come back and deliver the hard hitting analysis and the hot takes because there is a lot that has happened in the last day and I need to give you kind of my thoughts on it. So um first of all let's let's preview the uh, you know obviously in game fives of, of each of the series you could have what categorized um what well, you could categorize as an upset obviously i recorded my podcast yesterday episode 20 on the on the bucks choke job you can go listen back to that i would highly recommend you do so um then yesterday we have the sixers uh choking a 26 point lead away to a team that's worse than them, that that's not great. With uh, a total of two players scoring in the second half, we'll get to that. And then we have um, the Clippers finding a way to win without Kawhi Leonard, which I think shocked everybody. So, And, and we'll get to what's happening with that, for sure. So... I guess we'll we'll start off by looking ahead to those game sixes. And I'm just going to throw this hot take right off the top here. Every team that won game five in these series, in these upsets, is going to lose their series in seven games. All three of them. They're going to lose their series in seven games. And I'm going to explain to you why that is. So... I guess let's start off with, uh, which one should we start off with? Yeah, let's start off with, uh, with Bucks Nets. So, here's why I, I think this is the case. You have, like, just look at the way Game 5 went. You have a, a good game, a, a solid game from... from uh, you know, Kevin Durant, also known as the softest player in basketball, I always have to get that in because it's it's just it's something that's got to be pushed because it's what he is. You know, he played a pretty good game, you know, not Tatum level, you know, he didn't score 50, but a good game nonetheless. And then you have, uh, you know, Jeff Green having his, you know, one good game a year. And you have the Bucks doing everything they did to choke that game away. And think about all of that. And it was right there at the end. The Bucs easily could have still won. Easily. One play goes differently and the Bucs win that game. So looking at everything it took for the Bucks to lose that game. It's still their series to win. It's still Brooklyn that's going to have to come up with more answers. It is because they had a lot of stuff go their way. A lot of guys stepped up in Game Game Five. Are they going to step up again in Game Six and Seven? I think that's a very fair question to ask. Whereas on the Bucks end, we know what they're going to get. We know what we're going to get. They're gonna play really good defense at home. Their are scoring, you know, has not been as good as expected this series, but um, it should be enough to win on the home farm. They're gonna to win tonight, unless something really crazy happens. The Bucks are gonna to win tonight, and that's gonna set up Game Seven. And in Game Seven, I'll say this: you know, I could be wrong. Some of it will depend, you know, and this is where we need T. This is where T's presence on this podcast would be really helpful because he is our uh, our medical expert. Shout out to Show Off Training, by the way. Uh, one of our, our sponsors, um, Train With Purpose. Go check all that stuff out. Um, but, so this is where we need him because we need to know, like, okay, Kyrie is probably not coming back. Is Harden going to, you know, can it reasonably be expected to improve despite him playing on it? I mean, he played, like, 46 minutes. So, it's like, it seems like these, this sort of injury to me that you have got to be off your feet for, like, a while for it to get really get better. So, as I look at that, and again, this is just from someone who doesn't know really what they're talking about. Like, is there a possibility that Harden is going to be in, in better shape in four days, or is it kind of kind of is what it is? Obviously, you know, he did his his rest and rehab and got back to, to the level that he was at, which was not, you know, not even 50% probably. But is there possibly he gets a sixty or seventy by by game seven? I don't know, and obviously that's something that could have an impact on the game if he's not just a, you know, of course the Bucks didn't attack him, but if, if if they chose to really attack him, right, which they should, you know, will he be as much of a liability? I don't know. And that's where we need to be. But working off of off of what we saw in Game 5, which was not good, like, I think the odds are still in favor of, of Milwaukee. They really are. Now, I, really, my biggest concern for Milwaukee is, number one, really number one, two, three, four, and five, Mike Budenholz are still going to be their coach. And that's concern. That guy is an idiot. And I explained why in the podcast yesterday. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe he knows his job is on the line. And maybe he, you know, he has made some adjustments this year. So maybe with his job literally on the line. Maybe he'll change some things. Maybe he'll... He'll make some adjustments. Maybe he'll finally make those adjustments that those five and ten-year-old uh, rec basketball players all over the country would be able to, would be able to see and, and make. And then it's just uh, it's just the, the the mental aspect, you know. Does you know does that come back? And just all the stuff that's gone wrong for them in that building in game 7 does that come back to haunt the bucks you know does that just get in their heads a little bit i don't know it's going to be it's going to be a test of of their team for sure to come back from, from you know from that but i think they can do it i mean look things happen sometimes you, you know it's just one of those things like i remember back in 2002 with the, the Paul Pierce, Antoine Walker Celtics, when, when they made their massive comeback against the then New Jersey Nets in the conference finals game three to go up two to one in the series. Um, you know, it was a great moment and it's still a moment that that is talked about among the Celtics community. It's, it's kind of when Paul Pierce really started to make a name for himself. And obviously we know what happened to him. He's a franchise legend. A great player and a champion, and that's that's really the game where he, he kind of broke out, really, in a lot of ways. Made his name as a clutch player. I mean, that that sort of comeback could have broken New Jersey, but New Jersey won the next three games and won the series. So. You know, clearly that's evidence that, you know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to last game to game. You know, if you can move on, you know, the Bucks, especially tonight, they're going to get, they're going to get some space from that. They're going to be in their own building. It's going to be a comfortable environment. You know, hopefully the game is officiated like games, you know, game four was, and PJ Tucker's able to do his thing. Um, but, so yeah, I would, uh, I mean it it's all still there for the bucks. Now obviously there's no margin for error for the bucks and that's when it gets a little scary. You know, if you have in game seven another role player hit like seven of seven from three and then you know, you ha you have your difficulty with Durant, and maybe hardens a little healthier and gives you a little bit more, then that could be that could be an issue, but I just look at all the matchups and everything and and I just look at you know, who's going to be playing for the teams and just working off of what we know. I don't know how the Bucks aren't the favorites right now to win this series still. And I know that's crazy. I know a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy for that. But that's fine. You can think I'm crazy. But that's just what I think. I, I just, that's what makes sense to me. Just looking at, at all the matchups and the way everything breaks down. the only question is going to be coaching and just their overall approach to the game if it's if it's good the bucks will be advancing in the conference finals if it's bad they open the door slightly ajar so then we're going to move on to um, we're going to move we're going to save the sixers for last um cuz oh boy that that's the one that concerns me probably the most of, of what happened. That's the one that made me reevaluate core parts of the team actually. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that. But we'll start with the Clippers Jazz because I think th- this is the one that's so Clippers Jazz obviously, and then we're gonna mix in a big piece of news here. So Kawhi. Leonard, you know, injured, potentially injured his ACL. May not come back to play off playoffs. Certainly won't, you know, didn't, wasn't able to play last night. And I don't know when he's coming back. But without him, the Clippers went into Utah, upset the Jazz. Reggie Jackson and, and Marcus Morris both go off for 20 plus. PG is Indiana PG. 37 points. 16 boards, this plays great. Um, Utah struggles a little bit, Bogdanovich had a great game, but Donovan Mitchell was pretty inefficient and um, not that good. And Mitchell clearly not a hundred percent himself. So this is a series where injuries are really, really impacting things. I mean, Mike Conley hasn't even played yet. So it's just really a shame um, you know, kind of what's happened here. So really, this is going to come down to injuries for me. Honestly, I will tell you this: if Kawhi Leonard, you know, remember I picked, I said, I set off the jump here. All the teams that won Game Five are going to lose their series, which means I think Utah is going to win in seven still. And this is actually a change from from what I had said. You know, I've been picking the Clippers all along. I've been picking the Clippers to, you know, to even win the, go as far as winning the championship before the playoffs started. I wouldn't now. I changed that pick to Phoenix, you know, in episode nineteen. But see, I can admit, I can admit when I made a mistake. You know, things happened. It was a tough playoffs to pick. I did better than than some people did for sure. So um, I got most of the first round right. I think I only missed on one series. But. With Kawhi Leonard, who I've had as the second best player in the NBA for a couple years now. Like, at the end of the day, when you're missing that, you're not going to be able to just, like, obviously they were in Game 5. Maybe they can one more time. Maybe at home in Game 6, they can't. But, like, that's such a massive loss for your team. You can't just make that up over the long term. And then on the Utah the Utah end, you know, with Mitchell, you know, it kind of just, uh, you know, obviously it depends what, what percentage he's at. But if Conley can play, you know, they could have all of their guys. So, it's really hard, you know, with the loss of of someone like Kawhi, it's just really hard to think that the Clippers are going to be able to keep this up. Obviously, the big question is, can Utah go into, into Los Angeles and win? They haven't yet. They may not. So, I mean, this is one of those things that is, it's like this whole series is going to be decided by the healthiest team. I think that that's kind of the theme of the playoffs. And that's why I've said all along the whole thing is, you know, really doesn't matter. You know, this champion is, you know, I'm not going to look back at this champion and be like, oh, that's a, that's on the same level as a lot of the other champions that won. No, it's a little, there's a little asterisk stuff involved here and you know there just is but so this is this is pretty much going to be decided by health I just look at it and it's like assuming Mitchell can play assuming what they have now which is no Conley, no Kawhi. Mitchell plays, but he's not 100%. I still think at the end of the day, Utah is going to be able to eke this out now. Because look, at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard is just too good to, to, to miss on your team. He's just too good. And And this is so tough for me too, because like, so I've been, you know, the Clippers have been a team I've been, you know, and this is just from my personal example, right? But the Clippers have been a team I've been rooting for. I like Kawhi Leonard. He's one of my favorite non-Celtics players in the league. I've been rooting for them. But I'm also, every, every, the, the only thing that truly matters to me out of this playoffs right now is that the Nets do not win the title. That is the only thing that matters to me. Truly. So given that, it's like I love the Clippers, but if they're not gonna be healthy, you know, I need whoever comes out of the West to be and, and, and to be fair, Phoenix and we'll get to we'll get to Phoenix a little bit later, but they're going to be the favorite over either one of these teams, I think. Given the fact that they're both pretty beat up. I think Phoenix, especially if they get Chris Paul back relatively early in the series. Phoenix is going to be the favorite to come out of the West. And I also indicated that kind of on episode 19. I think it's even more so now. Without, without Kawhi, that is like. that That, that went from like. Mm, reasonably confident, sort of confident to like. No, it's very likely to happen. Phoenix is very likely to come out of the west. So yeah, it's just uh, like I need whoever. And it's, so that'll be a strong opponent, and, and that'll be okay. But I think Phoenix could 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 do what had to be done. But. You know, just in case, you know, the thought of a a Clippers team finding a way to the finals without Kawhi is, uh, you know, would not be encouraging on that front. So I don't know. I don't even know what to think anymore. Look, if there's a chance Kawhi can come back, like if Kawhi comes out of nowhere and says like he's going to play in game six, that's what makes all this so tough. Because if Kawhi does that, and I don't think Kawhi is going to do that. Like he has always been about, like, I'm gonna take care of my body. I'm gonna not, you know, not risk everything with injuries. I'm gonna, you know, do what I need to do to get healthy, and then I'll play basketball. He's always been more so that he has been, you know, big into the load management stuff, and um, so I don't expect Kawhi to to, to play at least for now. But if Kawhi, if Kawhi were to come back and say, hey, I'm good to play game six, the Clippers probably win that. And that's why all of this is, is really contingent on health. If that were to somehow happen, the Clippers would likely win the series. Even if Kawhi is at like 80%. But given, given the way things are breaking down, Given the way things are breaking down, I have to pick. I I have to say Utah's probably going to win. So, like, I just don't expect Look, Reggie Jackson has been really good. And that'll probably continue. He's definitely making himself some money in in, in these playoffs. But Marcus Morris, you know, I don't think he's going to score for 20 every game. I think Mitchell will find a way to probably a little bit better. Conley could come back. You know, Jordan Clarkson is someone they could they could maybe even get a little more involved. So, all right. So let's move on to, oh boy, just E and Anir if you're listening my heart goes out to you I feel so sorry for you guys today this is uh this has got to be devastating this has got to be just devastating for you so the sixers last night They are up 26 points on the Hawks. 26. They're dominating the game, which is not a shock. Watching it, right? Because like, look, and I've been in Atlanta skeptical. Look, Atlanta's won me over somewhat. No question. They have to have. Trey Young has gone up a level. They have good. They have really good supporting pieces. Particularly Bogdanovich, Collins. I mean, Bogdanovich, Collins, Hunter, and Capella are all like really good. You know, they're at least really good role players. So you have to give that to, to Atlanta. And I, I kind of hated them. I was like, oh, this is a glorified playing game. They're serious against the Knicks. Well, the Knicks are a fraud. Like, look, that, that's just the case. The Knicks were a, a fraud. They were good because of the way the season was this year. They tried harder than everybody else. Julius Randle maybe had some unsustainable hot shooting that won't carry over into next year. Um, There's a lot of things with that that uh, I would be very surprised, you know, unless they make some offseason move I don't expect. I'd be very surprised if the Knicks are back in the top eight next year. I'd be very surprised. I don't think it's going to happen. There's too many good teams in the East now. They could, they, they, might not even be top ten. I'm not even kidding. They might not be top ten. They might just fall out of the top ten. Because like you look at the East next year, the only teams you can guarantee are going to be bad are Orlando and Detroit. They're going to be at the bottom. Beyond that, you can make an argument for every. Everything even Cleveland. Cleveland won't be great, but you could make an argument for them taking a step forward to like the tenth range. Right now you'd have to say they're thirteenth, but And then it's like And then it's like you have to say that two of Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, Atlanta, Washington. Indiana, Charlotte, New York, and I'm missing someone. Did I say Indiana? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Like two, two, and New York, like two teams that, you know, could be playoff teams, really. Or at least playoff caliber aren't, aren't going to be out, so I think they're frauds. But as far as Atlanta, you know, Atlanta has proven that they're they're on a different level. They're not in that category. They they won that series against the Knicks for, you know, in in five games. You know, it was a dominant thing. They won it without home court, by the way, in five. So they are clearly the better team, which I thought they were going in, but not to that level. And now we have what's happening to the, to the Sixers, where, you know, I think the Sixers last night, you know, when they were up 26, I was like, you know, this isn't a surprise. They're, they're easily the better team. Um, you know, they're, they're going to win this easily. That's not a surprise. They'll win this. They'll win in six. It'll be over. This is easy. But then, but then, they found a way to lose the game. They found a way to lose the game, and it's really easy to figure out why. They had two players. Two, that's it. Two scoring the second half, and that is uh, that is Seth Curry, and that is Joel Embiid. No Simmons, no Tobias Harris, no Shake Milton. No Tybal, no Tyrese Maxey, no Korkmaz. Danny Green was injured. That didn't help, but you know that shouldn't really matter in this series, if we're being honest. So, and then of course Trey Young. You know Philly is the best. You know one of the best defensive teams in the league. I, I've been saying all year maybe the best. I think I've been saying all year that Ben Simmons should have been Defensive Player of the Year. And I still, I still think that he is because I'm always going to take the player that can switch and be versatile over the player that can, you know, do drop coverage and things like protect the rim and things like that. I'm always going to take the switchable defender. That's just a personal preference. But you let Atlanta score 51 points in 15 minutes? Like, defense is supposed to be your thing. You let Atlanta score 51 points in 15 minutes? My God. It was just... It was cringe-inducing watching that. And I just feel bad for my Philly fan friends because they don't deserve this. They deserve... This is was all lined up for them, and they deserve to at least be in the conference finals. And let's just say this, for the Philadelphia 76ers, not being in the conference finals is a cataclysmic organizational failure on every level. This bracket was perfectly lined up for them. Maybe the next four most threatening teams were all in the other bracket. Now Atlanta might be making themselves known as, as maybe cracking into that group here, but you can make an argument, at least coming into the playoffs, that Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, and then and unfortunately the Nets were all more threatening than Atlanta, Washington, and the Knicks. So this was all set up for the Sixers to easily get to the conference finals without having to barely lift their finger. And frankly, it was all set up for them to play short series while the other teams all play long series on the other side, duking it out. And then a fresh Sixers team gets a uh, a worn down, beaten up team on the other side. That's really not how it's played out. Embiid getting hurt. Now, we have to mention that. Embiid getting hurt did not help. You know, that that does not help. That is definitely a... Uh, and you can see, even, even though he played better last night than he did in game four, it's clearly still, you know, it limited him at the end of the game. He just kind of ran out of gas a little bit. So... And that contributed to them losing a game to Washington. It's contributed to them losing at least one game probably in this series. Probably game four if if Embiid's better they win. So... But through all this... I I can't say that the Sixers are going to lose this series. And I, I maybe feel the least confident in this of, of, of the three. But it's like, they're just the better team. I just think they're the better team. They have all the matchup advantages. It's just It's just whether they play up to it. I mean, they've won in Atlanta. They can go win in Atlanta again. They're better enough over Atlanta that they can go win in Atlanta, and then at home in Game Seven, they can pull that off. I still, I still think they're the better team here. You know, Atlanta has Trey Young, but his defense is easily exploitable. And let's just say, if Atlanta somehow makes the Conference Finals here. They're going to get smoked It's not going to be pretty And 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 that's why I need I, I'm really hoping Philly wins Because I at least want A potential challenger there If we have to So um, But You know ho- Hopefully it'll be Milwaukee And you don't have to worry about it But You know Atlanta I already know Atlanta's. You know I wouldn't even watch that Honestly I already know Atlanta, Atlanta's got a good You know Not going to be able to compete You know They're just not good enough you know, props to them, again, they've got all those role players, DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter's been out for the series, too, that's been, you know, the crazy part, they've been starting harder, but Bogdanovich, Collins, and and Capella have, have all been good, and for the most part, and, uh, Trey's gone up a level, um, and, uh, and they've got a good bench. Lou Will's been, been doing some stuff, you know. Lou Will is, is not traditionally a good playoff player, and, and he's been doing some stuff. So, you know, look. Obviously, this depends on a lot of factors and Bead's health after, you know, last night, you know. Is he going to come back as healthy in game six? Is, you know, is can Simmons channel, you know, You know, more aggressiveness. Um, you know, obviously, the, you know, they just need somebody else to score. It's like for Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons t- to not both not score is just really not good. And. The problem, is, the problem is this. All it takes now is one game. One game where, where Trey could go off again. One game where, you know, you, you have offensive struggles again, and then you're out. So I do think the Sixers are going to win this. I, I still think they're the better team. The better team will show itself. They'll win in game six. They'll win at home in game seven, and it'll be done. But man, if they don't win this, oh, it's such a disaster for Philly. It is a, such a disaster for Philly. This this will put this will put. You know what happened in 2019 with Kawhi shot going the wrong way, and well, the thing is that team was so good that that probably will hurt more just because that's the team that you know. I really think that team could have won the championship. They were that good. Jimmy and Tobias. You know, it was basically like this team with like Jimmy Butler on it. But then you have... Um, I mean, this would just be a different level of just disaster for Philadelphia. Obviously, last year was kind of a disaster. But it was such a disaster that it was like... You know, oh, by the time the playoffs hit, it's like you knew what was going to happen to them. But this year, everything was lined up for them. They were a title contender. And now they're, they might, and I don't think they will still. I don't think they will. But they might lose to the Atlanta Hawks. Look, if the Sixers don't win this series, I don't think you can fire Doc Rivers. You hired Doc Rivers last year. He took over and got the team to the number one seed. I don't think, given the regular season improvement, I don't think you can fire him after a year. And and especially like, look, realistically, finances are a part of it too. You just gave him a contract, and and, and he's in. You know, given his stature as a coach, probably at least a five-year contract. Probably a five-year contract, I would think. So, I don't think you're going to fire him with four years left on the contract. Especially when you just fired Brook Bryan. I don't know what his contract situation was, but. Um... But what I think is likely to happen if Philly doesn't get out of the series and there's just this cataclysmic failure, there will be a change to the roster. There will be a change to the roster. Something will happen to the roster because it will be it will be kind of, and again, I, I will have been wrong at that point. I have been in the camp as like Embiid and, and Simmons and Harris. Like this can work. I think you'd ideally have somebody in that third spot that's a better score than Harris. But like Harris has played well this year, so for the most part. But it will be an indictment that that, that trio can't work. And I think at that point, they will have to make a roster change. Obviously, MB, it is MB, and he could have won the MVP this year if he played all, you know, every game. You don't do anything with him unless he tells you he wants out, which I don't think he would do. So, the Sixers do have most of their picks that they can use, you know, in deals if they have to. You know, so I have some young players, Tyvel Maxi. you know, I think, I think what the Sixers would probably try to do if they lose, you should probably try to see them swap either Simmons or Harris for a player that, you know, might fit a little bit better. And one example, so Zach Lowe, you know, mentioned this on his podcast, you know, a couple weeks ago after the Blazers went out and they were talking about, you know, the whole Portland situation and everything Tobias Harris for CJ McCollum would make some level of sense to me. So Portland does it because McCollum and Lillard just doesn't work on defense. And you, you, you kind of get a bigger, a bigger, you know, third option type of player in there. Cause, cause I think McCollum and Harris are probably both, you know, they're not better than the third best player on a championship team. Neither one of them. So if you're Portland, you know, you get a little bit bigger, you know, and, and it allows you to improve on on defense um, around Dame. And then Philly would do it because, again, for them, it's like they've got long defenders and stuff everywhere. Now I don't know how McCollum and, and Seth Curry might fit together. That could be a little iffy, but it's like so. I I I don't know, but it's like it's like McCollum. You know, again, they're mostly a good team on defense, and you know they they just you know they would need to prioritize the the offensives there. And McCollum is a better scorer, I think, that, than Harris is. So. Maybe that's a possible trade you could look at. A lot of people are going to talk about. Um, a lot of people are going to talk about trading Ben Simmons. But it's just such a weird one because it's like, what are you going to want back for Ben Simmons? Like, obviously, it's easy to talk about. Um, you know, obviously, he was involved in in hard in negotiations and and they didn't get him if Dame were to come on the table I'm sure Simmons would be on the table for that but I don't think Dame's going to be on the table at least this offseason. maybe maybe next off season if this year doesn't go well for the Blazers but it's like what do you want to trade Simmons for You know, do you do you want to trade? Do you want to trade him for him for McCollum? I mean, do you like like who are you? Who would you want back? I guess would be my question to Sixers fans if you know for Ben Simmons. I mean, believe me, I'm a Celtics fan, and I would love to make you an offer. The Jays are off the table, no question about that. You're not getting either one of them, but. If you're so desperate to trade him, I mean, we'll throw you, you know, we could build something around Kemba and young players in draft picks. We could build something around Marcus Smart, Tristan Thompson, and, you know, a young player in draft picks or whatever. I'd be happy to build something around that and and take on Ben Simmons. But I don't think that'd be what you guys want. I don't think you guys would take that deal. So it's just like I don't know what player in the league you would even want to trade Ben. You, you'd even want to trade Ben Simmons for that would be available, that wouldn't be just selling super low. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and say this. I think if Philly if Philly loses this series, what you're gonna see is Tobias Harris will be traded for CJ in a deal for CJ McCollum. I think that's the sort of change. It could make sense for both teams, you know, to kind of just two change of scenery, you know, a change of scenery type deal for, for, for both teams. Um, I think that's the sort of thing you could see if the Sixers end up losing this. I just don't know. And, and I would be at that, at that point, look, if the Sixers lose, I would be like, okay. I now no longer am certain that, that Ben Simmons is going to be able to work on the team. But it's like, what can you deal him for? I mean, just going around the league, it's like, what are you going to be able to deal Ben Simmons for? So I almost think they have to hold out on that one, and then if somebody, like, does come available. Bradley Beal is another one. But, number one, Beal has been loyal all along here. He has been insistent that he wants to stay in Washington, he wants to make it work in Washington. So... I I think he signs his next contract with the Wizards. I don't think he's going to get traded. I don't think he's going to get traded. I don't think he's going to leave. And I'll tell you this, if Beal does leave, if he does decide to leave, the Celtics have to be the favorite. Because the way it works in the NBA these days is, you know, players are, you know, who are friends end up wanting to play together a lot of the time. And Tatum and Beal go back a long way. And if Beal were to want to leave, I would have to think that playing with, you know, finding a way to potentially play with uh, in a starting lineup with like, and I don't know if if it'd be feasible to keep all these guys, but Beal would probably find a starting lineup of Marcus Smart himself, the Jays, and, and Robert Williams. Very appealing. Now, you know, just as far as, as, like, winning goes. Now, do I think that, that Beal is going to end up leaving? No. I think he's going to stay in Washington. He's a loyal guy. I really respect that about him. And is a, it's weird because as a Celtics fan, obviously, I would love Bradley Beal on the team. But, like, as a basketball fan, I think it's really cool that Beal is as loyal as he is. And I really respect him for that. So, I don't think he's going to leave. So, you know... I don't think that's going to be something you trade Simmons for, so, and then it's like, it's like going down the list, it's like, I just don't know what the deal is, I mean, if you, I'd love to hear ideas, but, so I think that, that's just what I'm going to say on that, um, so, yeah, I guess let's, uh, let's move on here, um, So next I'm going to talk about um, All-NBA. We're going to hit some, some, some topics a little more rapid fire. We're going, to, we're going to talk about All-NBA and why it's a good thing for the Celtics that Jason Tatum did not make um, the All-NBA team. Now, obviously, look, they, um, they got it wrong. The voters got it wrong. There's just no question. Um the fact that, that Tatum was not at least third team all NBA um is an absolute joke. He deserved to make it. He frankly you could have made an argument I think that he he could have made second team. Um I think the fact that he did not make it is, is an absolute joke. And frankly maybe even like Donovan Mitchell and, and Booker for that matter. Um So Yeah, I'm just just scrolling here, looking at something. Okay, so yeah, I mean, so so look, Tate, you know that that was a bad, that was a bad, uh, um, move by by the voters there. But, I can tell you this, it helps the Celtics. It really, that decision really is going to help the Celtics. Because Tatum's on his extension, his, his rookie extension, there, he, there's a Rose Rule provision where if he made All-NBA, he would get 30% of the cap. But it, since he didn't, he only gets 25 and again, it's like, you know, I want Tatum to you know, it's sad that the Tatum lost out on that money and I feel for him, but it's like looking at it from the team standpoint, that extra five percent could be huge. It could be it could be massive for them because so that that's five million dollars this year. I mean, let's just think about it. They're up against the tax now. It's gonna be hard for them to make moves, but this gives them a little bit that little bit more breathing room to, you know, potentially make some moves to upgrade this roster. You know, look at a guy like, like, I've I've been pumping, pumping this guy, Kyle Anderson on the Grizzlies. I think he is, you know, would be a good fit on the Celtics and would probably be gettable because he's in last year of his deal. Grizzlies have a lot of young wings. It would give them, if, if they move him out without taking salary back, it would give them cap space. So it's a sort it's a sort of thing that could match up for both teams. You know, Kyle Anderson for a second round pick or two. Right into the Hayward trade exception. So it's like Tatum saving five million on, on on his contract, right? So Kyle Anderson from the difference between his salary and a minimum player. It's probably like, you know, seven or eight million. We'll say seven. I don't know. It depends, it depends on the years of service and stuff like that. But, um, so, I mean, that then it's like, it's much easier, you know, you, you look at Tatum on the 25% contract plus Anderson versus Tatum on the, you know, 30% and it's only like a 2 million difference ultimately. So that, that just kind of illustrates a way that it's just going to be much easier for the Celtics to make moves this offseason now. And it'll be easier in the future, too, because, you know, they're probably in, in a couple of years, there's a decent chance they try to clear some cap space. There's a pretty good chance they're going to try to push to, to keep Fournier's contract length to two years. They might overpay him a little bit to make that happen. Um, I do expect Fournier back. But... Like I, so the thing is, I'm just doing the math right now. Yeah, so like when when, when they're when they're clearing cap space, right? They have Jalen Brown in a contract that's not, you know, not even the max. He's below the max, and then they have Tatum. You know, at 25% instead of 30. All of a sudden, now you have these two guys not even taking up half of the cap. So it's going to make it much easier for them to keep both of those guys. Keep another piece, whether that's, you know, Marcus Smart or Robert Williams on his extension. Or something like that. You know, one one of these defense first role players that they have. And they could go out and sign a Max star. So, this is a significant benefit to the Celtics both now and in the long term. It's bad news for Tatum personally, and I feel for him, and he definitely got shafted. It was bad. It was, it, it was a bad call by the, uh, by the voters. But it's going to help the Celtics. It's going to help make the Celtics a better team. And, and let me tell you this, as a Celtics fan, watching these playoffs and watching the way this has gone down... We're ready for next season. We're we're ready to come at you because we're gonna we're gonna have a more of a rest this off season than you, than than these other teams that are playing you know late into the playoffs. We see what's going on with all the injuries right now. It's like I look at the way these teams are, and it's like Brooklyn's best players are all you know. There's they're all awaiting an injury waiting to happen. You know they're all they've all all been injury prone, and I'm not you know rooting for injuries or anything. I'm just. Telling you, I'm just telling you like it is. I'm just telling it like it is. Like Durant, Durant's, Durant's been the one that's healthy, and his Achilles is, you know, is iffy. He missed a lot of time this season. Um, Harden was mostly healthy in his career, but then he got fat and messed up his hamstring. You know, and he's starting to get older too. He doesn't take great care of his body. He, he's starting to get a lot of miles on him, and he's getting into his thirties. It's like. You know, he's probably not going to be as durable. And then Kyrie hasn't played a healthy, non-imploding playoffs since 2017. That's That's a long track record. That is a long track record of not being there for your team. He hadn't been there for his team in the playoffs in years. So, I'm not going to count on them, you know, for sure. Just watching the way the Bucks and the Sixers are, I definitely think those teams are beatable. I may have the Celtics as my favorites out of the East next season. And a lot of people are going to laugh in my face, and I do not care. I don't care. We'll see what the, how the offseason goes, but that's a very re- realistic take that I may have. So, yeah. Um, anyway, let, us let, move on. So we had a couple, uh, or, or no, I want to start with Chris Paul. So Chris Paul, health and safety protocols, um, could impact things for the Suns. Although I'm going to say this, unless Chris Paul is unvaccinated and has COVID, I think the Suns' situation will be okay. You know, no, number one, we don't know what his vaccination status is. So it's like, if he's been vaccinated, then he, maybe he could even come back on Saturday. I don't know. He might even be back for game one. We just don't know. The problem is, you know, what if he's not, right? And that, that's where that's where things get a little sticky there is some pretty good circumstantial evidence that he tested positive and it is not just like a close contact sort of thing. Um, so that certainly doesn't help if he's out for two full weeks, the Suns could be a little imperiled, but we, this is one that I think we just have to wait and see on. Like if he comes, you know, if he's vaccinated and is able to come back fairly quickly, then I think definitely think the Suns. the Suns really are, with the injuries on the other side of the bracket, are heavy favorites out of the West. If Chris Paul is out, frankly, it depends, right? If he's out for a whole series, frankly, I still think they, they have a chance to win, but it will certainly get a lot tighter and a lot closer, and it is not a given if Chris Paul misses like the first two games or something I still think I still think the Suns can pull it out they just look they just look like it looks like everything's falling into place for them and they just look like the the team that's playing the best right now and I know they played but but they had to get through LeBron I mean I know the Lakers had their own problems with injuries and stuff But it's like, you still had to get through LeBron. That's impressive. And, you know, Denver was obviously not itself, but either without Murray, but... Still, to sweep is impressive. So, I like what Phoenix is doing. I'm gonna wait and see on on this Chris Paul thing. It could have a big impact. But I'm not going to jump to conclusions yet. Let's just see how this plays out. So I guess the last thing. We had a couple of. Well actually there, there is one thing I want to get to before this. So LeBron James came out. And basically said that you know. The NBA and the Players Association kind of screwed up. the The way this season was done. And um. You know. I say good for LeBron. He's right. And I'm not a LeBron fan, but, like, good for him. He's right. They did start the season too early. I know they wanted the money. I get why they did it. But it's not, it's, you know, it's just just bad for the, it's been terrible for the players health-wise. It's marring the product. Like, I know a lot of the games have been good and stuff, but it's like, I just don't know how you can have you know confidence that the champion is the right champion the asterisk factor is gonna be real a lot of people will tell you that the bubble championship was a was an asterisk I'll tell you no I think I, th- I think the bubble got it right I think the best team the best team won the the best team in the bubble won So, I think this is the this is the, from the fraudulent year, not the bubble year. It's this year. Every team that made the conference finals, you know, not even like, you know, Denver is the only one to even make it out of the first round. They, then they go get swept. They all have injuries and COVID problems and just fatigue. It's just a mess. So, you're telling me that every team that was at the end last year? Just all of a sudden. Just fell off. No. That's bullshit. No. They all got screwed by the schedule. And it's just hard to take this seriously. It just is. And I know a lot of people in. There are some people in Boston that are. You know. Really. Really hammering the Celtics for the season. And it's like. And and yeah, there were a few mistakes made here and there, and yeah, there are a few changes here and there that need to be made to the roster, but it's like, on balance, they're in a great spot. They're going to be a lot better, just without even lifting a finger, just because this stupid season is going to be over. So, yeah, I mean, just, just because this stupid season is going to be over, things are going to be a lot better. So, good for you, LeBron, good for you for mentioning that, and look... I know Le- LeBron can be a bit self-serving at times, and look, if LeBron was in a different situation and they didn't have they didn't have the run last year and then he's still playing, does LeBron mention this? I don't know. But you know what? I'll take what I can get. LeBron James, you are right. The NBA and the players, look, you wanted the money. I get why. I get why this is all happening. It's just it it's puts it's going to put an asterisk on the champion that's all no matter who the champion is there will be an asterisk beside them forever it will not count like other championships count so yeah i guess the last time we've got here a couple uh a couple coach uh a couple coach firings so um well not really firings in one case but so scott brooks obviously the wizards you know, don't reach an extension with him. He's leaving. They're s- searching for a new coach. Um, Shree, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. I know how much you wanted this. This is a great day for you. I'm happy. So, it's, the, the name I've heard connected to this is, is Wes Unsell Jr., assistant with the, with the Denver Nuggets. And this makes a whole lot of sense just because, um, you know, obviously Wes Unsell Sr. was is, is probably the best player in... Um, in Wizards franchise history so you know obviously bringing his son who's who's a you know one of the more well more well-regarded uh assistants in the league bringing him in um would uh you know would make a lot of sense um that that, that seems like a match that makes sense to me um you know, Carol Austin and Sam Cassell are, are two assistants that, uh, or, or or two candidates that, um, you know, obviously Cassell's an assistant with the Sixers. Austin's a women's head coach at, at Duke, but was an assistant with the Celtics and did color commentary for the Wizards for a year. Um, those two seem to have the connections because Cassell used to be an assistant in Washington. So those two would seem to have the connections Potentially. Um, in, in Washington to maybe make some sense. But unselled, I would have unselled as the favorite. And I think it would make sense. Um, then obviously Stan Van Gundy. Out with the uh, Pelicans. It seems to make sense. It didn't really seem like he meshed with, with Zion and, and their young players. Um, so obviously. Everything for the um, and that's gonna be the theme with these these last two topics before we wrap up. Like everything's gotta be around like, you know, you've gotta make Zion happy and you've gotta make him wanna stay. I think, you know, obviously making a guy like Zion wanna stay in a place like New Orleans after he's his second contract is up. probably a bit of a long shot, if we're being honest, but I know Pelicans fans won't wanna hear that. That's just the reality. So you've gotta do everything you can to win while you've got him. And you know the clock is ticking on that he's he's gonna be entering his third year he's an all-star now um like you've gotta you want to hire a coach that he's gonna be able to mesh with and is gonna be able to push him and make him better and 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 make the team better so van Gundy clearly wasn't that guy and um it's the, the is a crowded west just like it's a crowded east now but the pelicans have, have got to make a move here soon um and they've got to do some things to the roster as well. Wouldn't be surprised um, from a salary standpoint. Obviously, Lonzo Ball is going to be free agent this offseason. Well, it would be interesting to see what happens there. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them try to salary dump a guy like Eric Bledsoe so that they can actually pay their guys. Because Lonzo Ball is a, is a good player. I think he'd be a good fit on that team with Zion. Um I think he's a good fit with long-term Zion because if you're if you're using Zion is like a ball handler, right? And like he's the guy. Well, Lonzo's is a guy who can play off the ball. He's a really good catch and shoot guy, while also being really good defensively, while also being able to be a secondary playmaker who moves the ball and, and can make plays when needed. So I think Lonzo's is a good fit with Zion. I would try to keep him as long as it doesn't get too crazy, price-wise. And if I have to move... They have a lot of extra picks and stuff. So if I'm the Pelicans, if I have to move a guy... If I have to move a pick to get someone to take bloodsaw, I probably do it just so I can keep the rest of my roster together. Now... The last thing is, and this is kind of a crazy story, the the Mavericks GM Donnie Nelson leaving after 24 years with the team. Um, so it sounds like there's a whole mess going on down there. They hired, uh, Horalibos Vulgaris, um, to, you know, he's kind of like a professional sports better who's been really successful. And they, uh, they hired him into their front office, um, I mean, I think he uses, like, analytics and stuff to, you know, he was, he was using analytics and stuff for his bets, and, like, he was making, like, a lot of money, <laughs> so um, they hired him into the front office, and he kind of started to take over some power and get the ear of Mark Cuban, and um, then he go you know, he goes and alienates Luca. Donnie Nelson has less influence, now Donnie Nelson is leaving, and it's pretty clear he, he leaked, he probably is the one who leaked that whole story um, to The Athletic before he left. So there's a lot of this dysfunction there right now. Luka is another one where it's like, the clock is ticking, man. This is a special player. This is a... I mean, this is a guy who could be LeBron James of the next generation. Like, he could be that guy. You know, his his situation in Dallas now, in fact, closely resembles, you know, some of LeBron's early early Cavs situation where it's like LeBron or it's like Luca's the only, the only guy on this team. It's like, yeah, Tim Hardaway, you know, put up a lot of points. For he seems like a good fit with Luca, but at the end of the day, he's still a role player. Porzingis is one of the worst contracts in the league. I mean, I don't know how, who doesn't fit on their team at all. I don't know how they're going to move him. I don't know how they gave up two picks to, to, to get him and luckily luckily for them one of them conveys this year they might have to move another one just to get off of him I mean it's like I mean what, what are the trades it's like people talk about Kemba and Porzingis I want nothing to do with Porzingis like no 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 absolutely not I want nothing to do with him and he plays the same position as Robert Williams who's better yeah, Robert Williams is better. Robert Williams can actually play defense. So it's, it's like, what are the trades? I mean, could you throw OKC a first round pick and you know they trade Horford for him, and then you gamble that you know Horford would be, you know, what you're getting with him, and for the Thunder, it's like, well, we're gonna gamble that we can. Get this guy back to his old form, and if not, oh well. You know we got to pay someone anyway. We're doing this rebuild, so it's like I don't even know. Like I don't even know what you can do with him. I mean, I don't think Kevin Love really makes sense. For I don't think that makes sense for either side, honestly. And I don't think the Kemba one makes sense for Boston. I would rather just keep Kemba for another year, even if we have to let four, even if we ha- would have to let someone like 48 go. At least we keep Kemba, and then he would have trade value as an expiring, or we just let it expire and we clear the cap space. I don't want that extra year. I want nothing to do with that extra year. That extra year is a deal breaker. I'm sorry. That extra year is a deal breaker. I want nothing to do with Porzingis. Nothing. So that that whole thing is a disaster for the Mavs, and they're going to have to find some sort of solution to it because um, it's holding this team back, and it's probably going to continue to hold this team back. And the clock is ticking with Luka, man. The clock is ticking, and they've got to find a way to get a team around him. And And it's unlucky for them, too, because they have cap space this summer, but I don't really think there's a lot of guys that can... that, 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 that are going to, you know, be difference makers there's some role players but there's not a lot of difference makers one name i would watch for the mavs and this would probably mean they couldn't sign tim hardaway you know who was really good for them in the playoffs but i'd watch kyle lowry in dallas um a lot of people are going to talk about miami with him maybe he goes back to toronto i think toronto if they bring lowry back as a playoff team next year i think they got screwed by that whole tampa move and the whole COVID situation i think they're a playoff team if they bring lowry back Plus, they're getting a. If they get in the top five, look out. That could be scary. But watch the Mavs with Kyle Lowry. He could be a secondary playmaker for them. He could be. Um, he could relieve some of the pressure on Luca. He's a good defender. Um, I would watch that. Um, that that would seem to be a fit that makes sense for me. Other than that, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, crazy. They're obviously going to f- hire a new, new GM, and the clock is going to be ticking on. On the new GM, um, clock is going to be ticking because they've got like you know, Luca's going to sign his his Supermax, but they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to turn this around fast. And obviously, Luca's you know salary is going to bump up. You're not going to have him on a rookie contract anymore. Like it's going to get harder. It really will, and they're going to have to, you know, they probably have three years before Lucas starts to look at it and is like, alright, this isn't working, trade me. I, I, that wouldn't surprise me, so. um, Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just that, that that's just the way it, it goes these days, so. I think that's, uh, that's about it for the podcast. Um, appreciate you for listening and, uh, hope you have a great day. And, uh, yeah, that was episode 21 of the Clown Chat Podcast.